you know, there's some small change that you can make or some small step that you take, you know, and that opens something else up and that opens something else up. And, you know, before you know it, you look backwards and life is very different. But really, it all started with one small thing that you did differently. I love how you mentioned self-trust because that's what allows you to stay the course when all of those awful things come up. And that's what allows you to build the confidence is knowing, okay, I can do this or I can handle this. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's so good to have you listening. I've been so pumped to air this interview because this was such an illuminating conversation. And today's guest, I had the privilege of getting to know her before I interviewed her by reading her blog. And she blogged about some of the identity challenges that she had in her career where she felt like she wasn't fully expressing all of herself. And she wrote it in such a beautiful, elegant way. And you'll actually hear us talk about it in the conversation. I read a passage from her writing that really touched me and ask her to comment on it and share more. But what she talked about in that blog post and what is really at the center of the conversation that you're about to hear is this journey of us getting to know ourselves. And I think it's really interesting because I think a lot of us want to build confidence, which makes so much sense. And I think we get focused on that and we think like, okay, confidence, confidence, confidence. I have to build confidence. I want to build confidence. I want to feel confident, which is normal. I'm in that boat too. I mean, who doesn't want to be confident? But I think, I think sometimes in thinking about the leap to confidence, we often don't think about the part in the middle the part that gets us there, the difficult part, but also the interesting and fascinating part, which is the process of getting to know ourselves. Because if we're not confident or we don't feel confident, there's certainly a reason why. And the best way to solve something is to understand why. And so when it comes to confidence, a huge part of building that foundation is getting to know ourselves, learning what we like about ourselves, what we don't like about ourselves, and questioning that, and then seeing how we want to change and if we can change, and going through the messy and sometimes uncomfortable process of change. Change is not easy at all, and I see this as such a such an irony and such a paradox of what it means to be human, which is so many of the things that we want that are really desires that we have in our heart like becoming more confident they require us to actually go through some difficult moments some difficult phases and for some people it could be a long difficult phase that stretches out for years and for some people they're able to transform more quickly we're all different and we're all on our own journey but I think almost all of us experience some amount of pain before we get to the place where we want to be but that pain is what equips us to be in that bigger place and to almost be a larger vessel who is stronger and who can hold more and who is capable of more. And that is what this conversation is about. Today's guest is so wonderful. And talking to her and listening back to this felt really good. So I hope it makes you feel good. I'm going to dive into the interview so you can meet her. And I'd love to hear what you think. I'd love to hear your feedback. So feel free to come say hi in the Facebook group, which I always link in the show notes. It's called The Art of Speaking Up. And if this conversation is resonating or if you're having any takeaways or if there are moments where you really relate to what she's saying, please feel free to screenshot it. Tag me on Instagram. Let me know your thoughts. I love engaging in conversation with all of you. It is so, so, so much fun. And you are such smart, wise, incredible, hilarious women. So please reach out. Let me know what you think. And let's jump into the conversation. I'm Cara Festa. I am an engineer by training. And I was one of the owners of an engineering and environmental consulting company for quite a few years. And I left that world last year to start my own coaching and consulting business to work with other women in engineering and male-dominated career fields, the STEM fields. 
and with organizations that employ those people and, and want to create a more welcoming environment for their diverse workforce. Wonderful. And can you give us kind of a 10,000 foot view overview of your nine to five career and the phases that you went through to get up to where you are now? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I went through college to get an en- a couple of engineering degrees, actually, and came out of that straight into the world of engineering consulting. So that's been my career field um, for more than 24 years. And over that time, I went from being really in the technical realm to, you know, managing projects and being part of, you know, kind of bigger picture to being in the leadership team and becoming a partner at the firm. And so my progression was to continue kind of growing myself in my career and becoming a business owner and learning about the business side of things. And and really, by the end of my career there, I was in the operations and administrative side. So I did very little engineering and mostly was working on the back of office and the business side of things. This will be perfect because later in the conversation, we're going to talk about career advancement and your advice around that. So you've experienced a lot of advancement in your career. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say on that. But first, we'll go back to the beginning. I love talking about early careers because I think those are such a challenging and tender and crazy time in our lives. So I would love to hear from you what were maybe one or two of your big struggles or pain points in your early career. A couple of things that I think about. One of them was that I was a really dedicated, very hardworking, really wanted to do things right kind of engineer and person. I think that's that's a lot of uh, traditional kind of engineering approach is being very careful and being very thoughtful. And that can be really hard in a world where you're expected to move fast, get a lot of things done. And then there's a lot coming at you, especially as a young young engineer or somebody young in their career. So I had a hard time just dealing with, you know, kind of the pace and the expectations, my own expectations and how I wanted to be able to do things versus the amount of time that I had available to do them or the, you know, the, just the level of effort that I, that I needed to put in, which, you know, had me working really, really hard, a lot of hours. And, you know, that in itself is very challenging. So there was a lot going on there that, you know, I, I found it very fulfilling being a technical person and, and, you know, being in consulting and also there are many challenges and it was, it was hard in some ways to, you know, to function like that. I'm sure that there was a lot to do and not always enough time. Do you feel like there was an element though of maybe the not enough timeness felt even more intense because for example, for me, sometimes I think I'm making something better, but I'm really just trying to control it. And there's an element of like exaggerating that feeling of like, I don't have enough time to get this done. Do you relate to that? Or did you experience that? I absolutely relate to that. Yeah. I think a lot of the pressure that I put on myself was ways of wanting to control things, you know, to keep things from coming out badly, to keep clients from being upset. You know, I mean, there was a lot of good reasons to want to control, but in reality, there's only control is an illusion. You, you know, there's only so much you can do. And so trying to put more out there and just continue to like put everything in place that you need to have it all come out perfectly. Like it isn't possible. And, you know, and it's a really hard way to function to try and have everything be, you know, in quotes, perfect. Totally. It's so interesting, at least for me to try to try to draw the line between what is going for high performance versus what is mind drama and what is kind of a vortex of fear that's just showing up and then driving you in this very exhausting way. And we're going to talk a bit about confidence. I think that's a favorite topic of mine. I love talking about it. I don't think it gets talked about enough, even though it's such a big, meaty thing. And I first just want to get your thoughts, especially as someone who's advanced. So you've probably had many people who've worked for you, and you've probably had that more leadership view of other people. From that perspective, can you share your thoughts on how being afraid or doubting our capabilities causes us to actually behave differently, show up differently, either how you experienced it or saw that in others? Yeah, I can talk about both my experience and and what I've seen in others. And interestingly, I'm actually working on a book right now about self-trust and confidence. And and that's a work in progress, but it's a super relevant and interesting topic for me as well. 
and a big piece of my journey, you know, and a big piece of what I have to share. So, you know, some of the ways that that has shown up for me is not really being able to appreciate or acknowledge really how good I was at what I did. And I see that in a lot of other people, just doubting your own capacity and your own abilities in a way that you hold yourself back and, you know, you aren't going to take maybe that next big step or it just doesn't come out the way that you, you know, that you you could if you really were just to embrace, you know, how great you were at what you did. And and for me, that's a big piece of the where I still am, but the journey that I've taken and the journey that I see other women in, especially in STEM careers and you know, male-dominated career fields, you know, is kind of that coming into your own and that recognizing, you know, who you are and your voice and how you show up in the world and appreciating yourself for what you offer versus looking at what everybody else is doing and how they're functioning and thinking that you need to be more like that, you know, more like this and and following somebody else's lead. So it's really following your own lead and feeling good about it. For sure. I think that it can be really hard even just to get to a place of neutrality, let alone then to get to a place of recognizing your achievements and of course having a humility around it, but really being able to own your talents. And I think it's so interesting because it's so polarized for me. It's not just about, you know, being able to do what you're saying, which is really acknowledge what I'm good at, but it's also just about getting out of the swamp of questioning and wondering and doubting. And that can have a really strong pull for me, I know. That's big. It's really big. And that recognition that you're even in that is probably the first biggest step. You know, and that keeps showing up again and again and again. It's not like, you know, you recognize once that you're really good at something and that you're bringing your gifts to the world and, and people appreciate it. And you really are as good as people say you are. And you can believe that and internalize that. And then you're done. It shows up over and over and over again in different ways. So it's it's kind of a, an ongoing path as we put ourselves out in the world and especially in, say, entrepreneurship, where you're moving out into the world in a way that's very different than what you've experienced before and you're starting something brand new, there's a lot of self-doubt and a lot of wondering about yourself that can come up, just like in a career path. So, Absolutely. We're constantly changing contexts. And if someone is a growth-oriented individual and someone who's driven to do things, they're always going to be changing contexts the minute they gain competency and proficiency, they go for the next thing. So there is this continuous feeling of, gosh, these things are coming up over and over again. And there is growth happening, but I think it's often disguised by that journey. And we're going to go deeper into confidence. Before we do, I really like asking people how they even define it because it's such a loaded word. And I actually think people think of it in very different ways. So when you think of the term confidence, how do you even interpret it? How I interpret it, I guess I use this the term self-trust interchangeably with confidence. And how I interpret that is really being able to turn to your own internal resource, your own capacity, make your decisions and feel good about that and feel like you know, it's coming from you and not from you looking externally for how things should be or how you should function, having that come up from inside. So that's a little, that is a very abstract way of looking at it, I think. And other people might have a a much more concrete definition about how you show up in the world. Um, But for me, it's really more about how you feel in that and, you know, where your, where your answers are coming from, you know, how they're coming up. I really like that. And the reason that I even like to ask this question is because I experienced this journey of redefining confidence, and I'll probably redefine it again at some point in the future. But I think that there was kind of an illusory version of confidence that I first held in my mind that was actually presented to me as the image and kind of the goal of what a confident professional woman looks like and should strive to attain. And it looked very perfect. It didn't have flaws. It it had a lot of stereotypically what we like to call masculine traits. And it just wasn't it wasn't on the same wavelength as me. And I didn't relate to it or really like it. And then I started to realize that there's vulnerability and confidence. And if you stick with this one dimensional definition of it, that's just like you're good and you're perfect and you're strong all the time. First of all, to me, that isn't confidence. But you also miss all the good stuff, all the interesting stuff, all the places where you're going to grow. And so 
for me, there's messiness in it. There's failure in it. There's fear in it. There's all these horrible things in it, which is so not glamorous, but that's what it is for me. And I think I love how you mentioned self-trust because that's what allows you to stay the course when all of those awful things come up. And that's what allows you to build the confidence is knowing, okay, I can do this or I can handle this. We could have an entire conversation just about that whole set of things you just said. I mean, that's so huge. And and it kind of points back to what I think I was saying earlier about how I was trying to control, you know, have everything come out okay, you know, having this, maybe this image on the outside, because that was what was expected, or that was what felt right in the situation or in the workplace when I wasn't being true to myself and and what felt good to me necessarily at all. And it's a big leap to make to get okay with like, you're right, the messiness. I mean, that was a big part of my path was letting go of that need for perfection and embracing the fact that, yeah, stuff's going to be messy and it's going to be scary and, and I can handle it. And I can be with what happens when something doesn't go the way I expect it to. Or I can go in without an expectation and I can respond and and that's going to be just fine, you know, and, and that's a very different way of being and, and coming at things. And it's both freeing and frightening. For sure. And we don't like things that are ambiguous. I think we like to have that clear path forward. And I think a lot of what you're speaking to is about the middle space, the ambiguity. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm not going to grasp harder onto control because I don't know. I'm just going to go in open and trust that I'll be okay no matter what. And I think I do think you can get far in your career on kind of the old model of I'm going to be perfect and I'm going to control everything and I'm never going to let my true self show. And you can achieve on that, but I think it'll always cap you. And I think it'll always keep you disconnected from a very special part within you where there's so much better stuff. And so that's kind of what I love talking about because it that doesn't get talked about much. And that's been so important for me. And it's exhausting to function that way. At the end of the day, you can do that and you can really show up in the world the way that the world expects you to show up, you know, according to how you interpret the expectations. And it can be really, really hard to do that for a long time. And I find that a lot of, especially women in, you know, male dominated career fields, there's a lot of expectations and ways of being that aren't necessarily our default mode. And we don't even really know that until we start examining that. And I find that as you go through your career, there starts to be a point where you question and you go like, is this really it? You know, is this the way that it's going to be? Because this just doesn't feel fulfilling to me and I need something else. Maybe I don't even know what that is, you know, and and so it begins, you know, and so some people that's, that happens really early and some people it's in their 40s or their 50s. But I think we all go through that kind of questioning phase and and start to unpack a lot of that you know, what's really in there and what do I really want and how do I really want to show up? And and it, and it isn't necessarily how you showed up traditionally in your career. I relate to this so much. And can you share maybe one or two tools or reframes or things that you find helpful when you're having a moment of wanting to revert into smallness or feeling not confident or just feeling afraid? Yes. Yeah. One of the biggest I would say, you know, tools is a word that I try not to use, but it is something we can kind of relate to having a, you know, a hammer to use on something. Um, But one of the biggest pieces that I find useful is looking at anything that's going on with me as a part of me. So it really helps me to step outside of something maybe where I'm in my head and I'm really circling around something to say, okay, a part of me is very concerned about what's going on right now. And then I realize like, okay, you know, I get some perspective, I can look at it from a different angle. And I recognize like that's something in me then that's concerned about a particular topic. And I have a way that I can work with that then. And I work with clients in kind of the same fashion, you know, just to help reframe and help elevate and look from a different lens and a different perspective at the whole thing that's going on. And, you know, and sometimes you have to do that over and over and over again around the same sorts of things to really gain that distance and look at things differently. But over time, I do find that, you know, circling around that kind of thing, you can find that you do end up looking at them differently. So, you know, so really just being able to take that small step back from something that you're stuck in the middle of. 
And then I do a lot of work around just mindfulness in general with myself, with clients, in part because that gives you that ability to to notice when you're in the middle of something, you know, so we all go through life, just kind of here's what we do and how we see it. And without being able to take that step back and pause and go, oh, like I'm in the middle of this, you know, something just set me off and I recognize that, you know, you're just going to keep doing the same things. You're going to play out the same patterns. You're going to, you're going to come at life the same way. You're going to get pretty much the same results. So if you want to change something, you have to be able to see it in action and then, you know, put that pause in place. And so just generally mindfulness and and different approaches towards how you can see those patterns starting to play out and then step back from them and go, all right, this time I'm going to choose differently. I'm curious if you had any moments or certain types of interactions in your engineering career where you got to a point where you're like, oh, I'm more okay with this than I used to be. Or if you were really able to see the effects of doing that play out as certain situations became more manageable or easier for you. I would say yes, over the course, especially of the the years after I went through a coach training program, um, where I kind of was doing my own internal work, and how I was showing up in the workplace was definitely starting to change as a result of the work that I was doing. And it gave me a lot to work with just to be able to, you know, to kind of function differently in the workplace. Now, ultimately, I still moved on from that career path into something else. But one of the things that I think is important, especially if you're kind of in the middle of like, here's where I am, you know, what do I do with this? You know, being able to to take those steps back and then to, you know, to see how you function and maybe to change how you function in the workplace um, can give you a lot of peace and a lot more comfort in, you know, the midst of something than, you know, than continuing those same patterns. There's a lot of patterns that we have as people with each other that, Sometimes, you know, there are ways to interrupt those patterns and actually start to, you know, have different behaviors. And we can only really choose our own behaviors. We can't choose how anybody else functions, but how we change changes our environment. It requires so, so much patience and gentleness with oneself because (laughs) I think the definition of kind of a triggering situation or a situation that just puts you in a headspace that you don't want to be in that is not a good space to operate from, it just, it, it takes a grip on you. And it, I think it just takes time to build in that distance and build in that space and that slowness to do that. And it doesn't always seem like it's working at first, but I do think over time with with commitment and with giving yourself grace and gentleness through the process, it really can make things that once felt so intense and so like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. You just kind of like, okay, all right, it's happening. (laughs) Yeah, that was definitely my experience. As I look backwards over, you know, five to seven years, say of observing and working and deepening and all of that. But yeah, it's not something where you can just snap your fingers and be like, I'm done with this stuff comes up. You know, we have, we, we are continuously offered opportunities to challenge ourselves. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And I'm so, so, so excited to chat with you about your relationship with your femininity, especially you are someone who I relate to and that you have a strong, I would guess, problem solving analytical side being in engineering. And also I've had the pleasure of reading some of your blog posts about how you relate to your femininity, which I will link because I love your writing so much. But we're going to dive into that a little bit. And the first thing I want to ask is just how did you relate to your own sense of femininity in the context of your engineering career? There was a time when I didn't at all I didn't even recognize that that was a conversation to be had. You know, of course, clearly I identify as a woman and, you know, that much was pretty obvious to people around me. But the the idea and the unpacking of the concept of feminine and masculine has really been a work in progress for me for a long time. But early on in my career, like I said before, I think I tried to meet expectations and function in a way that was what was expected in the workplace. And I didn't really think about whether that was something that worked well for me. It was just what was expected in the workplace. And I did get to a point a number of years ago where I kind of looked at myself and I went, oh, part of why I've been feeling so challenged by my environment or my surroundings, my my work, my, you know, am I supposed to be here kind of questions was that I felt like I was trying to function as a man. And that didn't 
work for me. And at the time I identified or I defined that more in, in how I how I worked and in, you know, kind of the competitive environment that exists in consulting and, you know, the need to go out, if you will, and slay, you know, kind of bring back work. And there was so many metaphors and all of it was around this fight and, you know, scarcity and challenge. And that's exhausting. <laughs> you know, that's a really hard way for, to, for anybody to function, I think, but especially if you would lean more towards collaboration and finding ways for everybody to win. And, you know, kind of, it's just, there's like a little bit more of a feel to it that I identify as kind of the feminine side of things. So that was where it started for me. You know, and as I've continued to delve into that, it's, you know, it's in how you relate to people. It's in how you interact with people. It's in how you choose to spend your time and finding that balance between, you know, the, the working side of things and the recovering side of things that I think just in general in our workplaces and in the world right now, there isn't space for space. There isn't space for, you know, we always are expected to be doing, doing, doing without that time to sit and reflect and recover and relax and give back to ourselves. And I find, you know, even that to me now is starting to be that definition between the masculine and the feminine and how we can find the balance. You know, I, I don't have one versus the other being better or worse. It's just that, you know, we've been heavily leaning towards these masculine traits and these masculine ways of working without recognizing that we also have the need for rest and the need for connection and the need for community and the need for recovery and all of these other pieces that just haven't been built into our workplaces and the way that we function in the world. So the meanings have have really expanded for me over time. And, you know, it's certainly still a work in progress. It's so interesting. I mean, for me, it's come up even in small ways, something as small as the way that we're taught to communicate and what is kind of set as the bar for strong and effective communication. I think a lot of it is good. And then some of it seems really rooted in this model that it's got to be loud. It's got to be intense. It's got to have this really masculine aura about it when I think they're are so many ways to be. And I think that we're strongest when we're tapped into whichever way is just most authentic to who we are. And as women, for some of us, that's going to be a more feminine style of being, of presenting. Or maybe it's someone who identifies as a woman and whose style is more on the masculine side and not getting punished for that by being talked about behind their back. It's just sort of having that open range and that ability to fall naturally where someone's authentic self is and where their strengths are without being judged. And it's just so challenging for women. And it makes me a little sad. And I think we're all working through it and figuring it out. Yeah, I agree. There's just so much to to be unpacked there in terms of the masculine and feminine aspects of, say, you know, I consider the outward communication to be more of a masculine, like you said, kind of that driving pointed communication style versus the receptive, you know, kind of listening, learning, being able to hear what somebody is saying without, you know, being in your head preparing your next part of the conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, that's all just skill sets that we build as we go through our careers and, and there's balance that's needed for anybody. You know, if we show up too much as ourselves, you know, even that can be a little a little much because then we're not seeing what the other person is is bringing to the conversation. Yeah, it's almost just as long as it feels like truth, I guess, for me, as long as it feels true to who I am and to what my values are in that situation or in that moment. Yeah. And that's been a big exploration for me, too. Like, what are my values? What are my beliefs? You know, and how then do I also welcome other people's values and beliefs and, and open up to what other people are bringing into, you know, into the room? This is a perfect segue to talk a little bit about something that I've really enjoyed in one of your blog posts. And it really speaks to this topic that I love to explore, which is this idea that becoming confident at work and showing up in the way that we want to 
is not just about us in the work setting, but it's really about this overall sense of self and how we are in the world and how we find ways to express the different parts of us and evolve and change. And you wrote about how you experienced that through dance and the way that you wrote about it really resonated with me and I thought would be very helpful. So I was going to read just a short little snippet from your blog, which I'll link it below. And I would just love to get your thoughts on that as the person who wrote it and lived it and experienced it. And so for everyone listening, um, you wrote reflecting upon how dance helped you evolve. You said, I was finding new parts of my being and showing up in a different way, not to achieve some aim, but because it felt good. And because I wanted to dance, to embrace my femininity, to sparkle a bit. I simply enjoyed my body for the magic that it held and found a joyful new way to be connected to it. Phew, I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It just jumped out at me so strongly when I was oh, reading. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and, and I absolutely love that. That was 100% my story and how I felt about it. Yeah, and it was a really interesting time in my life because I was, that was in the middle of that the coaching training program and, and I was really in a place of kind of questioning and exploring like who am I and how do I show up in the world and that was pretty out of my comfort zone and out of you know who I knew myself to be at the time and that's part of the work that I was doing in the, the same way I work with clients is some of the work in figuring out who we are is to step outside of who we know ourselves to be and see that we're also these other things and that was a real stretch for me and it was something that just felt amazing. And I, I connected with other women in this dance class in, you know, in a community in a way that, you know, I'd never had something like that before. So just the whole experience was putting me gently outside of my comfort zone and then letting me figure out that, like, this is, I'm this too. And that's just a really beautiful experience to be in the midst of. So it was it was definitely a, a transformational time for me. And it also makes a really fun story. The title of that blog is How Belly Dancing Ended My Engineering Career. And, and it wasn't as dramatic as all that. But, you know, that was kind of the concept, you know, that transition, that change and, and just that coming to know myself differently that I've gone through in my life. It really spoke to me. And it, of course, your experience was about dance, and I love hearing about that. And it also, for me, speaks to so much more than that. For me, it really spoke to taking risk and putting ourselves into scary spaces and kind of changing the paradigm that we're in the world as. So instead of doing something because we should, because we're trying to get a result, just kind of allowing ourselves to venture out do something scary, allow it to not be perfect, allow it to be uncertain, because I think that's the same attitude that can fuel enormous professional growth and can really help someone find a new, stronger, truer version of them to bring out at work. And so it just fascinates me. And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on taking risks and sort of what it means to take a risk and whether you agree or disagree or, or just think that risk taking is inherently similar in many ways, regardless of the context or sort of what you've learned from that and, and how you might take what you've learned to think about advising someone who's a bit shy at work or still not feeling 100%. I think you have totally nailed the whole risk-taking, messiness, getting comfortable with discomfort and with the unknown. I mean, that opens up so much more of life and so much more of our aliveness. And so that's really the work that I'm in the midst of is helping people take those small, uncomfortable steps. Because most of us have something out there, you know, that we think I would like to see something different. And, you know, there's a big difference between self-improvement and self-development or deepening. But when you're looking at developing and deepening and figuring out more of who you are and how you show up in the world, that always involves getting uncomfortable and doing things that aren't how you see, how you take yourself. You know, I, I'm this kind of a person. I don't do that sort of a thing. And then you find out, gosh, if I do just this other little thing different, I, I can be, I am that kind of a person. You know, it, it's not that you're putting something on or you're not, you know, being true to yourself or being honest. You're being more yourself when you realize 
that you are also those things and that you have so much more to you than what, you know, how you took yourself to be or how other people take you to be. And that's a very powerful journey to be on, but it does involve risk or doing things that are outside of who we, you know, normally take ourselves to be or what we do, how we are in life. That's the journey. That's the path. (laughs) It's so powerful once you start realizing that you do have options. And of course, it can still be really scary to exercise those options. And it can be a really big leap to say, okay, I'm going to go for bigger things. I'm going to raise my hand for something. I'm going to really show up in the way that I want to. But I think that's why I also loved the part where you talk about how you weren't doing it for some goal or some aim. Because I do think there's a part of all of this of letting go of the outcome. Yes, we're doing it because we want to feel better. Yes, we're doing it because we want to further our careers. But in the moments where we're facing fear or really stretching ourselves, we have to learn to briefly let go of that and just engage um, and be okay with things not going the way we want and not always getting the perfect reward that we want for our bravery. There's so many times where that's not going to happen and it takes so much courage to step out and do that. And I think that's actually what could begin to separate true leaders because they're not afraid of the failure and the risk and the consequence that can come from it. And I just think it's enormously powerful. Yeah. You know, one of the things that occurs to me is that the more of those things that you take chances on, the more you see other possibilities. I mean, it just really opens up life in a different way when you see that, you know, there's some small change that you can make or some small step that you take, you know, and that opens something else up and that opens something else up. And, you know, before you know it, you look backwards and life is very different. But really, it all started with one small thing that you did differently. And that, I think, is something really important for people that are listening and thinking about this in the context of their careers. And it's so trite, but every journey starts with one step. And and it really is about taking that one small next step. So there's that piece of taking action and being out there in the world in a different way. And it doesn't, you know, it's it might be scary, but it doesn't have to be huge. It can be a very small thing. And a bunch of very small things over time can really create a very different environment. I agree. And I think that's also, and I'm sure you can speak to this, but that's why coaching can be so powerful because I think sometimes having someone as a supporter and also just having permission to take that first step and having the help of another perspective to realize that you can shift your perspective kind of gives you that bravery that you need to get started and say, oh, I have options. I have choices. I can change. It might not be easy. It might not be quick, but this is all up to me. And this is my life. Having that support is really, really helpful. Having somebody that can help you see things that you don't see, I think is one of the greatest values of coaching. Because if we keep looking at it with our own eyes and our own perspective, we're going to generally keep seeing the same things. And when somebody else says, how about it? You look at it this way, you know, and suddenly you're like, oh, it actually could be something entirely different than what I thought. And you're open to that possibility, you know, that your whole way of looking at life can change. And so that's the value is helping us see both our blind spots and the things that maybe we need to work on and also our blind spots in in the possibilities that we haven't yet been able to even open to. That's where the gold is, because if there are possibilities for someone to share more of their gifts outwardly in their career and they can't see it, them being able to see it can change the trajectory of their future. And I think most people can agree. I think if someone is struggling with self-doubt or with fear or with shyness, there are parts of them, there are talents that are not coming out because of that. And that's where I get really excited because there's so much potential there. And I see that as such a huge lever for women to rise is to find that within themselves and learn to start bringing that out. For sure. Yeah. Can I can I tell you a quick story about the idea of gifts? Yes. When I started at the coaching program, we each got a question that we were to be in for that year. And the question that they gave me, and this was after like a day of these people observing us and seeing what we were all about, the question that they gave me was, in what way am I already being a gift? And that pierced me through the heart then. And even now, that is so intense for me. Because I didn't, I didn't see myself as a gift. I didn't see my gifts. I didn't recognize the gifts that I had, despite being, you know, a very successful 
very accomplished person in the world, if they asked me, like, what are your gifts? I couldn't even point to that. You know, and now having done all this work, I like I, I'm pretty clear on a lot of my gifts. Of course, it's all still evolving and always will be. But there, I think there's so many people that just don't have a way to answer that question and don't feel deep inside that they are already a gift and already have so much to offer the world. And getting in touch with that and, and recognizing that as your truth can be really, really big and really, really life changing. Oh, I really like that story. And I, it's so, I think it can be scary for us to allow ourselves not just to intellectually engage with the question of what are our gifts, but to allow the feeling of self appreciation and to really get into a state of thinking about that truly. I think it it just feels very unfamiliar. It feels like an uncharted territory. It's almost like, is this allowed? Is this okay? And it does bring up a lot of emotion because I think I can speak to me. It, it obviously brings up, you know, a sense of pride, but it also brings up pain of, oh my gosh, I've been so hard on myself. And there's just, there have been so many places where I'm beating myself up and there's so much that I have and I, I haven't even seen it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on with us internalizing, not talking about what we do or what we've accomplished or, you know, or what we're good at, because then we're seen as bragging or, you know, being full of ourselves. And in reality, you know, we really do need to be proud of who we are and how we show up in the world and what we have to offer. And, and that's okay. You know, that's not anything to be embarrassed or, or to hold back on. But that's a practice to get in the middle of to figure out, like, how do I do that gracefully? You know, how do I put myself out in the world and say, hey, this is, you know, this is me and this is what I'm good at and this is what I have to offer and feel good about that. And it, that's just that's a big, big thing for a lot of people. It's hard for us to do it for ourselves. I think a big point, a big point of help for me being able to do that was having someone do it for me. <laughs> Say, okay, like th this is what you need to be talking about. Like you need to add this to your resume. Like they're come on. And I, I, I just realized I was like, wow, I've been underselling myself. Coaching and and mentoring and having other people that again can look at us and see our brilliance when we can't see it ourselves and say like, you know, here's how I see you. And for you to then be able to take that in, that is really important. And you hit on something else earlier that I wanted to mention, which was kind of that the difference between thinking about your gifts and thinking about what you offer the world and really feeling that. And that's a big piece of it for me, too, is especially as, you know, as engineers, as women in technology, as, you know, women in male-dominated career fields, in business, we spend a lot of time in our heads. We don't spend really any time at all with the wisdom of the body and what the rest of our system has to tell us. And we're missing out on a tremendous amount. And really, I feel like all of that knowledge, all of that wisdom, all of what we really have to share is not coming from our heads. It's, you know, it's coming from your gut. It's coming from your heart. And that's both literal and figurative. And until we get in touch with all of that, you know, we just aren't going to be able to offer ourselves to the world in the same way. Is there a part of your engineering brain that had to kind of cede to that truth that wanted to make the world brain driven and analytical? Or was that easy for you to welcome in? No, that was actually really easy for me to welcome in because in part, I think I had suffered so much being just in my head and being so brain driven. And I knew, you know, that was part of my like, this isn't right for me, but I don't know what is kind of path that when somebody said, oh, hey, you have, you know, this whole head, heart, body thing, and, you know, you're living from the neck up, what would it be like if you were integrating the whole, your whole you, like that just for me made, made sense instantly. And I was just like, oh, yeah, they've got something here. <laughs> and then it makes so much sense that dance was an unlocker for you. Definitely, definitely. That was a big piece of it. And before we get into the next section, can you tell us how to get in touch and also just a little bit about what it's like to work with you? Yes, absolutely. So I, the best way to, to find out what I'm all about is to check out my website, which is caradian.com, uh, K-A-R-A-D-I-A-N-E. And, you know, I've got ways to get in touch with you there. Uh, I'm also on several social media platforms, especially LinkedIn and Facebook. 
so that's the way to find me. In terms of working with me, I work with clients in several different ways. So I do one-on-one -on -one work. I am actually going to be starting a couple of group coaching programs this year to work with women in various stages of entrepreneurship and leadership. And I run some retreats from time to time. I am, you know, offering kind of one-on-one -on -one intensives, you know, so a deep dive kind of for a day or two approach. So there's a number of different ways I work with individuals. And then I also work with organizations more on the leadership development training and, you know, kind of culture, people, purpose, positive impact side of things. And can you speak a little bit to the positive change that someone can experience in the workplace. Your story is obviously one where your authentic self wanted to move on from a nine to five type of role. Can you speak a little bit to how getting in touch with some of these things that we're talking about can be helpful for someone who is wanting to build out a more traditional career? Absolutely. Yeah, I think self-awareness and self-deepening is valuable in any context, you know, so it doesn't just have to be about, um, I'm ready to move on into a different career, or I'm ready to start a business. Uh, in some cases, it's really, I want to show up differently in the workplace. I want to be more effective. I want to, I want to show up as more myself and feel good about how I show up and also be able to interact with people differently. All of that is the same work. It's all about knowing who we are and working with the things that get in our way of doing all of that. So integral coaching is the tradition that I'm trained in, and it's about the whole human being. And, you know, the human being can be in any kind of environment or situation. They're still a human being, and they're still going to show up and, you know, have things that they are challenged by, and that's what we work on. So. Wonderful. And I will link your website and then anything else you've got in the show notes. And with that, we're going to the closing questions. There used to be two closing questions. They have multiplied. Now there are four closing questions, which I'm really excited about. The first one is all about career advancement. Very excited to hear your thoughts on this. So I wanted to ask you to share advice on something that you think listeners can do on a year-long time frame, a month-long time frame, and a week-long time frame to become more intentional about moving their careers in the direction that they desire. And so we'll go one by one. We'll start with the long term, then we'll get closer. So what is your advice for a one-year time frame? I think what you start with is what are you trying to accomplish? You know, so it's all about purpose at the, the highest level and then breaking that down into and then what am I going to do to move forward? You know, so what's what's a reasonable stretch one year goal? And, you know, and what is that going to help me accomplish in my larger purpose? And then you're really breaking that down into the smaller steps and then taking those, you know, first scary next step. So I really feel like the year long, month long, day long is all part of the same thing. But, you know, it all go points back to your purpose. It all points back to like, what are you trying to accomplish? And, you know, where do you want to go? Then looking at, you know, what's what's reasonable and then what steps can you take, you know, to start moving in that direction? You knocked all three out in one shot, one <laughs> clean shot. <laughs> I love it. And I, I had one thought that I wanted to add around, like, what can you do like as a tangible step? One of my favorite things to work with clients on is some kind of mindfulness practices. That's the kind of thing like you can sit down and do now something because that is foundational to being able to see yourself in action and to to understand what's really going on and to be able to see the bigger picture. You have to be able to take that step back. And that means being able to pause. And, you know, mindfulness is really the tool that lets you start taking those steps. Without that, you're really stuck in your in your ongoing patterns and you probably won't take the steps that you otherwise could. Because it's so hard to see outside of what you do every single day and just break out of that and see something new or different. Yeah. And I wanted to get your thoughts on a theme that I've started to explore more and more on the show, which is this idea that we have these really big lofty goals, like we want to become more confident or we want to grow our careers. But often the way that we move towards these goals, similar to what you were saying before, happens in these tiny moments, <laughs> these little instances where we make a different choice or we do something brave. And I've been asking people to share a tiny moment from their career in the nine to five world that really represented a move in the right direction or a shift for them that they experienced. 
I had to think a little bit about this one. You know, for me, though, I guess as I'm looking backwards, especially, for example, on the decision to take the coach training program that I did, I had this idea, I had this kind of like, you know, should I, shouldn't I do it? I, I, I asked for a conversation with somebody, you know, so I, I made the choice to have one conversation um, with one person, you know, and that just by happenstance pointed me in the direction of the program that I ended up taking, which was so life changing. Um, and so I, I think it still it comes back to that, like that tiny little step and just asking for a conversation or asking for, you know, a something that we might not otherwise do and just saying, OK, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to ask for a conversation with this person and see what comes up of it. And, you know, and in this case, it pointed me in a direction, you know, just from that one conversation that kind of changed the, the course of my career. And a couple more. These are the classics. I ask every guest about the name of the show, The Art of Speaking Up, and what that means to them. The Art of Speaking Up, to, to me, that's the crux of our lives and our careers, and especially as women is learning to find our own voices, figure out, you know, what it is that we want to tell the world versus what the world is telling us, you know, we are supposed to be or it wants us to be. And so to me, the art of speaking up is that journey of going inward and figuring out, you know, what is it that I actually have to say to the world? And back to that comment about, you know, what are your gifts? So what do I have to offer the world? And then feeling comfortable actually putting that out there, which is quite a journey. And for the final question, this question was inspired by the inspiration of the show, which was a time in my career where I was really struggling. I didn't have mentors and I really needed a bit of a pep talk and a bit of encouragement and a bit of empowerment. And so I like to give this last spot to the guests to speak directly to anyone listening who might be in a space either where they're struggling or where they really need to be reminded of their gifts. And so I will turn it to you to share whatever is most important to you to share. Yeah, for that, I think it's very simple. And it, it really goes back to something I said earlier, which is you are every bit as good as people say you are and more. And the, the, the voices in your head that say that that isn't true or, you know, that kind of are like, oh, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Like, no, you are every bit as amazing, as good at what you do, as incredible as everybody says you are and more. And that is just undeniable. And when you can believe that and internalize that, you can do some pretty amazing things in the world. Thank you so much for listening to today's conversation. Kara was so much fun to talk to. I'm going to put all of her information in the show notes so you can check her out. And I wanted to thank you for tuning in. Please come say hi to me. Join the Facebook group. It is such an awesome community in there. I love it so, so much. I'll link it in the show notes. It's called The Art of Speaking Up. Anyway, that brings us to the end. Thank you for tuning in. You are wonderful continue to hold the good feelings that you might have listening to this any moments where you listened and you kind of had a feeling of like oh you know I am good enough like maybe I am being hard on myself like maybe I can do this hold on to those feelings try to bottle them up and take them with you I know with me I listen to a lot of podcasts and like I get all fired up and then I lose the feeling and so let's try to hold the feeling let's try to hold the feeling with us and bring it out and take it with us in the in-between times when we're not feeling so inspired and when we need it most. All right, that brings today's episode to a close. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next week. Bye.